0: I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility podcast. We're at an exciting time in the mobility sector with new technology causing us to continually question the way that we move both goods and people. My job is to talk to the individuals leading this revolution and to investigate the challenges and opportunities we face as we develop safer and more sustainable mobility. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider subscribing on Apple Podcasts and leaving a rating. Today, I'm joined by Ed Olson. Ed is Chief Executive Officer and Founder of May Mobility, a mobility startup striving to transform cities through autonomous technology. Ed's involvement in autonomous vehicles started with the original DARPA Challenge back in 2007 and he remains a top robotics professor at the University of Michigan. Go Blue! Ed and I talk about his motivation for starting May Mobility, their unique business model, their role and value proposition for both government and commercial customers, the role of automation in public transportation, and much more. Please enjoy my conversation with Ed Olson. Today I'm joined by Ed Olson. Ed, thanks for joining.
1: Hey, nice to be here.
0: So if you wouldn't mind, would you mind uh, please starting with a little background on yourself and introduction into what you're doing right now?
1: Yeah, happy to. I'm an engineer by training, so I went to MIT, studied computer science and electrical engineering. Um, and then did a a bunch of startups along the way, so I've always really had a passion for translating technology into products. Uh, Went the academic route, spent about a a decade at the University of Michigan as a professor there, and started, worked on Ford's autonomous vehicle program, followed by Toyota's autonomous vehicle program, before really getting excited about uh, faster translation of that technology into the marketplace, which led to May Mobility.
0: Great. Well, thank you, for First of all, go blue. I'm I'm a U of N grad, so <laughs> glad you spent some time there. Yeah. Uh, so the first first question I have. So I guess May Mobility. Actually, I'll I'll leave that to you. So could you give just a real quick snapshot? Of what What is May Mobility doing, or how do you describe what you guys are doing?
1: Yeah, I think for us, it really starts with vision and mission. So our vision is to transform cities by uh, through autonomous technology to make people's lives safer, better, greener, cleaner, more accessible, Uh, you know, the list of positive things goes on and on. And and what that fundamentally means is we want to build mobility systems based on autonomous technology that that improve improve the ability for people to get around. And so we've taken a very, very focused approach to building a business around that idea, worrying Mm -hmm. a lot about who are the customers, what are the business models, what's the value proposition, what's the unit economics, and really putting those factors front and center into everything that we do, which has allowed me Mobility to be out and providing uh, providing transportation services a lot faster than companies with a lot more capital.
0: Yeah, and you, you touched on the business model, which I'm going to want to talk talk about uh, in detail here in a minute because that's it's very interesting, kind of the way you guys have approached that. Um, before we get there, though, would you? mind sharing. so why you have a, a very interesting background a lot of things you could be doing in the the automated vehicle space or even other automated technology I guess why this problem why, why is this what you chose to attack
1: you know it's a great combination of a problem that's just really hard okay. which is appealing for the the inner engineer uh, but it's also one where the potential for impact is so great mm-hmm. and the combination of those to to literally transform cities. That when we say transform, we mean the way cities are built, to, to look at a part, if you, if you stand up on the top of a building and you look at a cityscape, and what you'll see is some of the good stuff, restaurants, hotels, uh, housing, schools, parks, all of that diluted by transportation stuff. Mm -hmm. Uh, tons of parking tons of roadway tons of cars not getting where they want to go in a very efficient way and that's to me is a is a real shame and so the the possibility of solving this through a technological means really uh, and and repurposing all of that landscape to to the things that make a city great is incredibly exciting and it's a whole company is a is a company of believers who believe in the possibility of technology to do great things.
0: Awesome. Yeah. And, I, and I'm someone who, you know, I, I enjoy taking, taking the car out on a back road and having a ton of fun, you know, opening it up and driving in a fast car as much as anyone. Um, but at the same time, I, I, I share similar thoughts. And actually the first episode or the first interview I had on this podcast was with Chris uh, Bruntlett from the Netherlands about bicycling and cycling and Amsterdam is an incredible city um, in, in that way. And I think you know it's it's a it's a different solution, but I think towards a a similar means. So what what do you think the role of what you're doing with it, which is automated right shuttles moving people around? And and if I'm correct, so it's the two business models you have right now are either working for a a, a company or a group of companies, right, moving their people around between parking and different buildings, and then the second is more broader scale, like for the city acting as a public, tra- public transportation service. Is that right?
1: Yeah, those end up being very similar uh, for us. So mm-hmm. uh, business to business and business to government. And that's a little different. So we, we work with uh, trans- transportation professionals, uh, whether they're corporate or government doesn't really matter a ton, but they're people who understand the transportation problems that they face. There's people they need to get from here to here to here to here. Mm-hmm. And those people have been fantastic partners for us because their knowledge about where there are needs helps us scope the problem to something that we can actually do with where the technology is today. It also means that it, it creates a business model where we have uh, known revenues and known costs because we're not selling uh, vehicles on a you know, per-ride basis. We're generally signing long-term contracts that create predictability in, in what we need to provide and how long we'll, we'll, we'll be able to provide it. And so that in turn makes us extremely capital efficient because those long-term contracts are the basis for us to finance our vehicles and to really get to know those partners over long periods of time.
0: Mm-hmm. And yeah, that, that's awesome. And what, what do you think then, what, what's the role comparing what you're doing and, and possibly complementing? I guess what you're doing with uh, with the other modes of transportation within a city, whether it's single vehicles, uh, buses, I mentioned yeah, bikes, um, Uber, Lyft, ride-sharing type system. Where, where do you see mobility playing in that ecosystem? Yeah, it's a
1: great question. Uh, so these transportation planners uh, have a limited set of tools. In most places, they have buses. In a mm-hmm. few cities, they might have light rail options to try to piece together a transportation system that's going to work for them we see what we provide as another tool on their tool belt that can be complementary to to the services they already provide and in some cases can radically open up the kinds of services that they can provide in places that aren't economically feasible with buses or light rail. And of course, we're friends of of walking and cycling, uh, all of those other forms of of exercise uh, and transport, which are fantastically green and accessible and great for equity. Uh, you know, equity in society, uh, but it's not all the way. All the t- uh, not everyone can always bicycle. You might be traveling with an older person, or you know, a, a disabled person who needs uh, who needs a wheelchair. Mm-hmm. And so, we want to make sure that we think there's a lot of value in servicing. Uh, we can capture a lot of value with with these smaller vehicles that can accommodate disabled people and and carry them for longer distances than most people would be comfortable walking.
0: Awesome I'd, I'd like to, to turn for a few minutes here to the, uh, the the technology side so I guess maybe even before we get there so my my read at least from the from the outside and I'd like to hear your thoughts on this is compared to some of the other players in this space, main mobility tends to or at least from what I've seen tends to market yourself less as we're an autonomous vehicle company. It's so cool we're bringing this technology. I mean, it is cool technology you're bringing, but I see that more as an enabler or a part of this solution that you're you're solving this greater mobility solution. Can you speak to, I guess, one, is that accurate? And two, I guess, kind of expand on how you see that?
1: Yes, we have customers who love the fact that we're autonomous, that they want to learn about what autonomy can, how it's going to change transportation. We also have customers that don't care at all. What they care about is they've got people that need to go from point A to point B to point C. And that's that's a really good thing. At the end of the day, the buzz and sort of novelty of autonomous driving uh, is not something you want to build your business upon. It will fade over time. And so we're really focused on building a business that makes sense as a transportation services company. Now, that said, the autonomy is a huge economic enabler that allows us to provide a level of transportation services that traditional transportation companies can't match. And so uh, we are a transportation services company, um, but that technology component is a is is a intrinsic part of what we do.
0: Could you expand on what that allows you to do? That might be different than others who are coming at it from more conventional means.
1: Yeah, you know, one one of the things we hear a lot is that. Uh, you know, autonomous cars are going to be very expensive mm-hmm. and and only, you know, affluent people are going to be able to use autonomous cars. And that that is kind of a, a... You can certainly build a very expensive autonomous car, but you can also use the technology if you're very focused on what's the problem I'm trying to solve and build a vehicle to solve that specific problem. You can build a vehicle, as we have done, that has very good unit economics, that can... Uh, reduce the cost of transportation.
0: Gotcha. Yeah. So, so you're by I guess removing one of your your key costs in the equation, right? You're you're helping yourself and, and your I guess end customer find a more economic means to to move people around. Right.
1: Yeah. Think of it this way. Most transportation planners their their go to tool is a bus. Mm -hmm. Uh, Well, you've walked around cities, most of the time when you see a bus pass by, it's got a handful of people on it. Not all the time. There are routes that get really good utilization. But by and large, a ton of routes have very low utilization. And the problem there is that uh, the buses are very expensive. They're expensive to buy, they're expensive to operate. And then if you're only carrying a handful of people, then the pressure on the transportation planner is, well, I guess i better run the bus less frequently. Mm-hmm. Because then maybe more, pe- more demand will build up and I can fill that bus. Yeah. Of course, it doesn't work, right? If you reduce the frequency of service, people find the service less convenient and will go to other modes of transportation like uh, ride hailing or, or things that uh, adversely affect congestion. So mm-hmm. what they need is a way to, to deliver their transportation services it, at a size that makes sense for the demand. And that's one of the things you can do with an autonomous vehicle. It's very; It would be very expensive to put three times the number of buses on the road, even if they were smaller buses, because of the, the cost involved in servicing that fleet. But mm-hmm. autonomous ve- vehicles would allow us to get those vehicles around and service the demand where it exists.
0: Gotcha. Yeah, and yeah, you, you touched on this, I guess, kind of a, a downward spiral, right, of of the economics of a traditional bike, so or a traditional bus system.
1: Yeah, and we want to reverse that spiral. That that's the key thing, right? If we we believe, and we've actually had data that this works, that if you can inc- increase the level of service that people have access to, mm-hmm. they will use it more, and you can change people's behaviors. So one of the things we've been able to show is that when we deploy into an area, more people use public transit. Which is amazing. That's that's exactly what the transportation planners were hoping to see. And we've been able to measure that. They like the product. They like its individual uh, individualized flavor. Uh, they like the low wait time. And as a result, they stopped taking their cars into the downtown centers. So ridership goes up. But the other interesting thing is that we've started to see different use cases arising. So there's one route that we operate, which is primarily a commuter route to and from between office buildings and a parking structure. And primarily intended for people when they get to work, to go from the parking structure to work uh, to the office and vice versa at the end of the day. But what we've started to to notice there is that people are using that service to go out for lunch. That's a a new activity that they did not previously find convenient or, or reliable. Uh, And it can be scary for a lot of everyday people to leave your your work campus to go out for lunch because if you don't get back in time, you might be in trouble. And that can be a serious problem to a lot of workers. And so getting to that point where we see everyday workers willing to leave their work campus to go off-site for lunch really reflects a change in behavior and a new, new kind of confidence about the fact that the transportation service is going to be there when they need it
0: yeah and that obviously then has benefit to the uh the surrounding business so say whoever they're going to lunch to and i'm, I'm sure it expands from there over time as uh if that continues to creep right
1: uh, absolutely there's there's a, a we believe that there's a huge amount of latent demand for transportation and mm-hmm. in the absence of that transportation service to fill that need there's a lot of economic loss people not going to lunch uh, you know people not going shopping um, people not going to events and and uh, and and not just that like education people choosing not to take that extra uh, that extra extension class at the local community college because it's a pain in the butt. One of our riders told us that he he had a two and a half hour commute every day and you imagine the the sort of weight uh, on on that rider's life you know two two plus hours tied up every day
0: yeah. not
1: spending it earning any money, not spending it in a class where he could learn something new skills, or not spending it with his kids at home, helping them with their schoolwork, or even just, you know, relaxing, which I think everyone is entitled to do. And so transportation can really elevate not just the society, but the economy as a result.
0: And which cities have you uh, been in so far?
1: We've launched services in Detroit, which was our first, mm. Columbus, Ohio, uh, uh providence rhode island and grand rapids
0: michigan gotcha yeah and i think i was first i want to say it was late 2017 maybe there was a a trial that i i got to watch when you guys had your first uh i think it was for bedrock doing some some trials which was a lot of fun to see and i guess being being the the engineer you know engineering background i have i i was thinking i'd be curious your your thoughts here how from a recruiting or a, a talent perspective within may mobility is Is that something that you see as a powerful driver so someone comes in they're not looking at here i'm working on this vehicle it's going to come out in 2024 maybe right and maybe people are going to buy it and i'm going to see it on the road maybe not but you have an actual product right that you can go on a public road and go and see is that a big driver for you
1: it definitely is there there are a lot of engineers who uh feel a lot like we do that they're hungry for impact to to not only build a, a, a great business out of the technology they're developing, but to have a good social impact along the way. And with with a we're one of the few companies in the A V space where you can write software or build, build a better uh, sensor mount and see that in production mm-hmm. and see that in the hands of everyday people, really transforming their lives. And that's that's a huge uh, you know, not everyone's excited about that, but within May Mobility. That is a huge draw, and it's, it's something we're very passionate about. You know, Another example is uh, one of our riders in Providence. Uh, the Providence route goes from a train station to a community that's been historically underserved. And uh, there was no public transportation between those two points. And so people who needed to get back and forth had no choice but to do, use ride-hailing services. Hmm. So one of our riders uh, told us that he was now saving about $15,000 a year by being able to take our shuttle versus versus having to do the ride hailing thing, and so that's a huge visceral impact. The people at our company get really excited about it, and it helps us draw in new people.
0: Yeah, that's awesome to hear. And what does the the future look like? So, if if you do want to scale or change into, is it I guess continuing to grow what you're doing in the existing cities, growing to more cities, morphing um, into a different type of service? What, what does the future look like? So we're
1: we're here to serve people. That's mm-hmm. and and that mandate is uh, makes it really exciting to expand into new markets. And so where we are today is is really just the beginning.
0: Awesome. So a little little bit of a unrelated question to what we've been talking about, but the propulsion system here. So it's all electric fleet, right? Yes. What is what is the the planning for? Um, charge and um, yeah, range determination and, and things like that look like. Is that a challenge for you guys, or is it because you're operating at such low speeds, these things can run for a long time?
1: They do last for a long time, but one of the things that we've always been very careful about is looking for uh, economies that allow us to to provide our service at a lower price point. Because getting to that profitability uh, point is is a hugely important milestone for an AV company. I think mm-hmm. We're closer to that than, than just about anybody else. So for example, our vehicles don't have a fixed battery capacity. When we work with a customer, we evaluate how much battery capacity their vehicles need based on that route and based on the usage patterns and based on when their demand peaks and when it's, when their demand is lower. And we design the right amount of battery uh, for that route. And so it's a modular system that we've developed.
0: And it's, it's all based on a skateboard platform, more or less, right?
1: No, the platform that we, uh, our product platform today is a, based on a Polaris gem. It um, uh, is an electric platform, but it's not a skateboard. It's got sort of, you know, a lumpy part in the beginning at the front and a lumpy part in the back as well.
0: Ah, uh, got gotcha. you. Okay, and then another, another thing. So obviously, uh, this this COVID COVID situation has thrown a wrench in a bit of the plans for just about everyone, um, including I, I think it's it's kind of a unique issue maybe or unique situation for shared mobility right how, how have you guys been thinking about that and yeah what, what do you do from here to address that type of situation
1: yeah it's, it's been rough um we love to provide real transportation services and mm. you know our vehicles are small there's there's no way to be more than six feet to six feet away from someone when you're in a vehicle the size of, of our vehicles and so uh, that's, that's been rough, but it's also been really motivating and inspiring. Mm-hmm. The good news here is that we have these, these transportation professionals, our partners at, at cities and governments, uh, or cities and businesses, that are trying to answer their own questions about what, is the, what are their transportation demands gonna look like in the future? Is teleworking gonna be a new normal? Um, how, what, what, is it, what are the problems going to look like, not just today, but six months from now and five years from now in sort of a post-COVID era. So we'd love to, to work with our partners to try to understand what they're thinking and how we can help them solve those those future transportation problems.
0: Yeah, it, it makes sense. And I mean, there's certainly a lot of uncertainty, I guess, even now. But I could think of, I mean, yeah, sanitation surfaces or surfaces that don't, um, hold on to virus for, for as long being important on the interior, potentially some type of air sanitation type system, right? Or We, uh, we have
1: an amazing set of, of engineers, not just autonomy engineers, but industrial designers and mechanical engineers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and all those things you talked about are things that uh, we're looking at. Uh, we don't That's have a, a product to announce there, but um, it's a conversation we have every day with our partners of which kinds of things like that will allow us to get back to serving our mission and vision of of providing useful transportation services
0: yeah makes sense um so i would like to uh to transition a little bit thinking more about i guess focusing on on you as an individual so a a couple of what i consider uh rapid fire questions here all Uh, right So the first one is about um, your favorite book or books that ha- have been impactful for you.
1: Wow, my favorite book. Um, y- you know, I, I I love nonfiction. So uh, yeah. I, I read a lot of, of technical books. Um, you know, probably, this is super geeky, but uh, Gil Strang's book on linear algebra is a great. <laughs> <laughs> I really love that. But also as I have gone from more of a, a, a um, technical focus to a uh, a leader at a company. Um, I've, I've read so many books, I, I can't even really think about it. But about finance and and product market fit, um, that has been a, an amazing journey to be able to to just learn about these entire new fields.
0: Yeah, is that, is that something that you anticipated or always expected to be uh, to be moving from the pure technical route into uh, you know business leadership type position? or or is it was that just kind of happened
1: uh, it, it was more deliberate than by accident, yeah. so uh, you know, as I mentioned when I was uh, in school, um, I, I did a number of startups while I was there, not not always as a, as a founder, rarely as a founder, um, mm-hmm. but the idea of of transitioning technology into the, into a real world product has always been exciting, and so the idea of, of starting a startup has always been kind of um, you know a, an easy
0: thought to form for me awesome and definitely a, a different way of thinking i imagine as you're going through uh yeah, go, going through school and an early career uh, and ho- hopefully useful i know we have some some younger listeners who are yeah, in college or just out, out of college <laughs> uh, no, another question for you so hobby of yours do you have any what, what do you do outside of work or anything in particular that you like to do when you're not working
1: uh, yeah, I do like to torture a violin. Um, so yep. there's a, a community symphony here in uh, the Ann Arbor area. It's actually in Ypsilanti, which does a lot of outreach concert, concerts. Um, so low cost and even free concerts. And it's a it's, it's my Tuesday evenings to go and make music with with a bunch of like minded people. Uh, it's 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 a great outlet.
0: Very cool. And the uh, last kind of real question your personal strength of yours. Your, so if you, yeah, if you were to ask someone around you, what, what does that do? Well, that's allowed you to, to have the success and impact that you have had so far. What do you think they would say?
1: Oh boy. Um, naming your own strength. I feel like that's a, <laughs> that's an easy way to get yourself into trouble. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I, I guess I would say that, that uh, I'm really determined that May was going to be successful. And and I I've I've made a lot of mistakes along the way, it's, you know, big mistakes, small mistakes. Um, but my but I I think that I'm very devoted to learning and constantly improving myself as best I can. Um, of course, now I'll have everyone reaching out, and being like, "Well, you never learn how to do this." But right. and, uh, I'm I'm here to learn. Um, I'm here to to help our team learn and and make ourselves our best versions of ourselves. Um, and and at the end of the day. When we talk to our employees about what's the thing that they value most about May, uh, you know, mission and vision are really important, but it's the people. Yeah. And so, I'm really proud of having built a place that is so focused on the well-being of the people, both in the company and within their communities.
0: Great, yeah, I, I know, not not the easiest answer to qu- or question to answer, but, but I appreciate it. Um, so, yeah, I, I guess the the last thing I'd I guess two part, two part question to leave us here. So, so one, is there any resource or where, where can people find you or more information about Mobility, if whether it's websites, uh, LinkedIn page, et cetera. And then just after that, uh, you yeah, open floor, if there's anything we didn't talk about or anything that you want to leave us with here.
1: Yeah. So in terms of following May, obviously we have a website, maymobility.com. If you're looking uh, to hear more about me talking and making things up, that's Siri thinking I'm talking to her. Uh, (laughs) uh, I I have a Medium page. um, So I'm Edwin Olson at Medium, uh, where I write essays on on a wide range of topics, mostly technical in nature. Um, So that'd be a good way to to engage with me if you're interested in in talking about that sort of thing. Um, And then uh, final thought to leave you on is, is, I think, May mobility is is really liter- legitimately focused on changing the way cities are built and the way that people live in cities. And you know it's it's been a really tumultuous few months in, in the United States in particular. And you know a lot of May mobility is not the answer to all all of social uh, all of life's social problems. Mm-hmm. But where we can be part of the solution in creating greater equity and mobility for, for everyone in this in the communities that we live in that's something that's really inspiring and motivating to our company.
0: Awesome. And I guess if you don't mind I actually I, I lied then cuz what you just said <laughs> reminded me of a one one last quick question I wanted to ask. So great great thought to leave us on but also I wanted to, to quickly get this in so you mentioned your medium page and I saw on there you had uh, you had made an analogy once that that stuck with me and uh, I, I think it's very interesting I'd be uh, appreciate your thoughts on so comparing autonomous vehicle technology to an MP3 technology. So thinking of, yeah, not, not, the, the, mean, not the end, but a, a means to some other end. So if, if you know which article I'm talking about, I'd be curious to hear, to hear your thoughts there.
1: Yeah, I, I think it was called uh, Autonomous Driving is Not a Killer Feature.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And what I meant by that is that I don't think people are going to buy transportation because it's autonomous. I think the autonomy itself uh, is in the same way that people don't buy a music player because it, it, it can play MP3s. They're buying a music player because it gives them access to a world of music in a convenient, enjoyable, possibly curated way. And the same thing is true of transportation. They're not gonna buy it because it's autonomous. They're gonna buy it because it makes their life better. It helps them get where they need to go better safely and more easily. And I think being really focused on what role autonomy has to play in in our business is really important. It's not the feature. It's a Mm -hmm. hugely critical enabler without which we can't build the business. But at the end of the day, most of our customers are gonna be focused on transportation and that's fine with
0: us. Awesome, thank you very much, Ed. This has been a lot of fun. I appreciate you taking the time and uh, yeah, hope to talk soon. Hey, thank you so much. I'm Brandon Bartnick, and this is the Future of Mobility Podcast.